All right, go ahead and open up to Mark, the fifth chapter, Mark chapter 5. In First Timothy, sorry, chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says that, commands Timothy to give exhortation and attendance to reading. Um, the New Testament church is different from every organization, if you want to call it an organization, that has ever existed or will ever exist. However, you can see from the animal kingdom that God often uses things again. So the animal kingdom, you look out and you see animals who look similar or have similar workings, some of, some of which are not even reported by scientists of today or supposed scientists of today to be related. So you'll see a fish with a, an activity, a biological activity that is like an, a mammal. And they don't know why. And they don't know how it evolved with this special thing that is only seen in mammals and that this is a fish. Well, it's because God reused things at times. There's no reason for God to create every single creature on earth entirely different from all of the others. And so, he reused things. When the, before the church was established in Acts chapter 2, the Jews worshipped in synagogues. In those synagogues, they gave of their means. They sang songs, a cappella, by the way. The Jews in the first century, the only time they used instruments was in either battle or in the temple. When you're in a synagogue, they sang a cappella. They gave of their means. They prayed. And they would have some sort of exhortation. If there was a trained rabbi in the area, they may have some sort of sermon or homily as they would call it. But if there was not a trained rabbi, then that synagogue would have an extended reading of Scripture. And so in the New Testament, when the New Testament church was established, God reused some of those things. Acapella music, singing, praying, giving of your means. Of course, they didn't have any reason to take the Lord's Supper because the Lord's Supper before the New Testament church was established was just the Passover. And then once the church was established, it became the Lord's Supper that was remembered every week instead of once a year. And so when the church is established, God reused some of the, that, those acts of worship in the New Testament to be that of the Christians. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says, until I come, I want you to give exhortation to reading. Timothy is a trained preacher. He's trained at the feet of Paul the Apostle. Knows how to preach. Knows what to preach. In fact, he's told in the same passage to give attention to exhortation. But he was also told to give exhortation to reading. And so this year, we've been taking one Sunday afternoon a month to read the Scriptures. Of course, today we're doing a shortened version of that. We got to Mark chapter 4 last time, through Mark chapter 4. And so this time we will go through down to about chapter 8. So, Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. Oh, by the way, um, it wasn't until long after the classical Greek that the word reading became known as giving comments. And so usually, probably what they did was get some Old Testament scroll and they would read it. 
if Paul had written the early church a letter, they would read that. There would be very little comments. Of course, we use comments, and that's, that's all right, but nonetheless. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the garrisons. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people came to see what, what it was that, that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from the, their region as he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell him how much the Lord has done for you and, he has had, and he, how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he, was on, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and, he, and, who, and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and, there was no, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your disease. There's one thing that these passages teach us. It's 
the interesting link between not just being around Jesus, but seeking him out. The, the, the demon-possessed man runs down the hill when he sees Jesus and falls at his feet. The woman who knows that Jesus is coming goes and reaches out for him. Why, why, did, why did none of the other people receive that? If there was someone sick in that crowd, you know there was because that's what they're doing. They're bringing people to Jesus to have them healed. And yet, if there's someone sick in that crowd, why weren't they just healed by brushing up against Jesus? Because there's a difference between being near him and seeking him out. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came the rulers, they, they came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion. People weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Verse, chapter 1, verse 6. And when he went away from there, and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter's son? The son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are these not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his, in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went about among the villages teaching. So even Jesus' family didn't really understand what was going on. But the people used his family to, to deride him. Isn't this the carpenter's boy? Doesn't, isn't this just the, the no-name person from... From Nazareth, who, what's so special about him? And so he leaves because he can't do anything there. Jesus doesn't prolong the agony. He doesn't continue to try to convert these people and teach these people over and over again if they're just not willing to listen. And I believe there's something there for us as well. Verse number 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. 
They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So Jesus teaches his disciples to do the same thing. Don't prolong the the agony of trying to convert people. If they're not going to listen, don't listen. And many people have asked, why does he tell them there to not take anything, but later on he tells them to take money and a bag and wear two tunics and take a sword with you so that you have some protection and so forth. And what's the difference between here and there? Speculation can, can kind of go wild on this, but realistically, I think it's probably because of the people they're going to. In the Great Commission, Jesus is sending them to the entire world, which means they're going to be, they're going to be up against tremendous odds. In this commission, they're going to Jews, who are most likely going to take care of them, at least until they hear what they have to say. And if they hear what they have to say, they might put them out, but Jesus says, if that happens, go to the next town, don't worry about it. But the Jews are going to take care of them. And so at the end of the, the Jesus' life, he tells them the opposite because the pagans don't have such rules. They don't have the rules that the Jews were following to, to take care of each other. Chapter 6, verse 14. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' Jesus's name had become known. Some said... John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah. And others said he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had been married, because he had married her for John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted him to put to death. But she, she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was righteous and a holy man. And he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed. And yet he heard him gladly. So Herod is about to be converted but an opportunity came when Herod on his, on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herod, Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, for what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. She came in immediately with haste, and the king asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison, and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When the disciples heard of it, they came took his body, and laid it in a tomb. So Herod's about to be converted, but because his allegiance is more to his position, right? He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't want to go back on his word because of the people around him. His, his allegiance is more to his position than his convictions, and so he does it. And he kills John the Baptist because of it. The apostle returned to Jesus and told him, all that had been done and taught and said to them, and he said to them, 
Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place for themselves. And many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran. They're on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because, he was, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They began to teach them many things. And he grew late. His disciples came to him and said, this, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii? worth of bread and give it to them to eat and he said to them how many loaves do you have go and see and when they had found it they said five and two fish then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass so that they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking five loaves and two fish he looked up to heaven said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them all And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men, parentheses, not including women and children. We're going to stop there for our reading today, but Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, they teach us a few things. Number one, it, there's a difference between being around Jesus and seeking Him. You ask a person, did you grow up in the church? And they'll most likely say, yes, I, you know, I grew up going to the blank church of Christ. Or they'll say, no, I was converted at a later age. I know the sentiment, but at the same time, there's a difference between just being around Him and, and seeking Him, right? It's our job to teach our kids to seek him, not just to be around him. At the same time, it's, it's our job to, to seek him for ourselves, not just simply try to get close to him. It's not, it's not enough just to be in the general vicinity of truth. You have to, you have to look for the truth. In chapter 6, if you, if you, just reading the account of King Herod in chapter 6 terrifies me that a man so... A man so powerful was that close to obeying the gospel, and yet his, his position and, and his friends caused him not to do it. He doesn't have to do... See, that's the difference. He doesn't have to do anything. No one's going to make Herod do anything. Herod can do whatever he wants. If he obeys the gospel, then the rest of the people are probably going to obey the gospel just because they're trying to make Herod happy. Just, it just amazes me that, that he talked himself out. We can talk ourselves out of obeying the gospel so easily. I've said it before. We can rationalize anything in our minds. The difference between rationalizing it and it being truth is pretty big. You, you can come up with anything that you want. You know, you've heard this, the, the joke about the guy who said, I'm just going to close my Bible and, I, and God's going to open it up and he's going to tell me what I need to do. And so he opens it up and he closes his eyes and he points it and he says, Judas went out and hanged himself. And he goes, well, that, that can't work. And so he closes his Bible again. He says, all right, God, do it again. He opens it up, closes his eyes, and goes, what thou doest, do quickly. 
if you just cherry pick this, ver- this Bible, you're very well to end up with that as much as making something that makes you feel good and sounds good. But there's a difference between just being close to him and actually seeking him out. And, and reading the scriptures is one way to seek him out. So if you need to obey the gospel this afternoon, we're going to stand and sing a psalm of encouragement for you. If you need prayers of encouragement, let, me, let us know. We, we want to help you, but we can't if you don't tell us. The church was meant to fill the gap. We are not meant to be alone. And too many Christians sit in pews and they come to services and they're in agony and they never ask for help. They never ask for prayers. And then they, they get upset with the church because the church didn't help. The fact is, we can't help if you're not willing to tell us what's going on. Can't read your mind. So if you need to respond to the invitation, let us know while we do that.